It is time to check in with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer here today with his take on the day's headlines. Good morning to you. Good morning to you, Jill, and I hope you're braced for another big day on the provincial newsbeat. Yes, indeed. Let's start with the old growth announcement today. What are we expecting? Well, what we're expecting is an attempt by the government to reconcile its view of things with uh, the widespread expectations that you can just say no to old growth logging. And, And this struggle has been going on inside the government and with its supporters in the environment movement for over a year. It goes back to before the election and the release of an old growth strategy that said, in the long run, we can protect old growth, but in the short run, we can't. Uh, we can set some of it aside, but we can't set all of it aside because the forest industry in BC is still dependent on logging some old growth uh, in order to provide jobs and economic activity. That idea, that notion, that position by the government, as you will know, has not gone over well, even with a lot of NDP supporters and not with the international community. The government's bombarded with calls for just say no. So we're going to get an announcement today. It looks like a big one. We're getting a technical briefing at uh, 11.30. That always tells you it's going to be complicated. And then an announcement at 1.30. So it's going to be a busy day. And you mentioned this as well, or touched on this, and I would imagine it makes it more difficult when you look at what's been happening in Ferry Creek and you look at all of the interested parties, and as well as Indigenous rights. And it's not as though there are there's consensus in that yes, shut this down. There there's a difference of opinion and a difference in what people want to do in these areas. Yeah, there is, Jill, and and even with the uh, Indigenous community, you know, uh, the Premier has said no number of times that the world has changed in British Columbia, there is increased recognition that uh, that the forests and the resource are within the traditional territories of the province's First Nations. You can't just tell them what to do with what is essentially their wood. Uh, The other problem you have is that the province has awarded significant timber cutting rights to forest companies. The forest companies have turned around and made deals with First Nations to log and share the benefits. And all of that can't just be taken away. This is the provincial government's position. You can't just take it away without, first of all, negotiating with forest companies and perhaps compensating them for the loss of cutting rights. And second of all, you can't just take it away from First Nations without compensating them. So that's been the practical internal obstacle for the government. The Premier Jill at times has hinted that this could be a very expensive change. Uh, You may remember that when the celebrities went after the B.C. government and said, stop old growth logging, and William Shatner, Captain Kirk spoke out, the Premier said, why don't the celebrities put up some money because this is going to be an expensive change. So, John Horgan has hinted at times why this has taken so long, but I would say it's one of the biggest challenges the government's faced is reconciling the view that just do it with the practical obstacles to just doing it. So I think what we're going to get today is we're going to get more old growth set aside, not subject to logging, removed from the harvesting base, 
I'm not sure we'll get a clear sense of how much that's going to cost, the long-term implications. I think we're probably going to get a a kind of a fixer-upper announcement where we may not realize the full implications of it for some time to come. Uh, Do you get the idea, too, that there is a real reluctance to talk about the value of a tree? And in this sense, we're talking about an old-growth tree and that there is a lifespan for every tree on this planet. At some point, the tree will die. And the cost of leaving it and the benefit of cutting it down. Yeah, I think you're right, Joe. I think for, uh, uh, you know, uh, when I started in this uh, business a long time ago, the forest industry was, was such a big part of the provincial economy and so central that you didn't need to do much talking to persuade British Columbians that, you know, the industry has to be protected. And the industry was woven right into support with the uh, NDP. Uh, there were unionized, a lot more unionized forest workers and loggers and pulp mill workers. They, their unions supported the NDP. So it was a, it kind of was a time for taking it to granted, for granted. The, the political balance in the province has shifted. The view of the forest has shifted. They're now much more seen as a place for recreation, for environmental protection, much less as a place for source of jobs. But there's still a significant number of communities in British Columbia where the land base for forestry includes some old growth. And there, of course, are First Nations, a large number of them, where that's true as well. So, as I say, I think this is one of the biggest challenges the government has faced. I think it's why they've struggled for so long to try to get it right on this And all the time they've been struggling, they have been under fire, including from a significant number of NDP supporters. So this is a walking on ice day for the government, and I doubt very much that what we get today will be greeted universally as a great move. I think it will be debated on both sides, with one side saying not enough and the other side saying too much. All right. Let's talk as well about the pandemic briefing yesterday. We've heard from Dr. Henry in the past saying she doesn't have much patience for healthcare workers who don't get vaccinated. She took it a little bit farther yesterday. Oh, man. <laughs> you can see how fed up she is with this. Uh, she said basically that um, if, if after all this time you're a healthcare professional and you're still not persuaded of the efficacy of vaccines, then that is probably not the right profession for you to be frank. Uh, Yeah. I thought because of the pressure on the system from COVID-19 and the ICUs and the fact that we were already short of healthcare workers in the province, I thought the government might blink here, Jill, as, as did the government in Quebec on the vaccine mandates. But there's none of that here. They were very clear yesterday that there are, what, 3,000 healthcare workers in one category or another who are on unpaid leave because they didn't get vaccinated, and they are facing uh, three months, uh, the, essentially three months of unpaid leave, and if they're still unpaid at the end of that, sorry, if they're still not vaccinated at the end of that, they are looking at being fired. So this government has really held the line on this. Dr. Henry has. Health Minister Adrian Dix has, and even though we also heard yesterday, uh, Jill, this is not without stresses on an already stressed healthcare system. Right, because we're seeing operating rooms uh, closed, uh, yeah. cancellation of surgeries, and certainly if you're one of the people that has had your surgery cancelled, that is, well, stressful to say the least. 
Yeah, I, you're right, Jill. You know, uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix a while ago stopped referring to elective surgery. He said, These are not, this is not elective. It's not like, gee, I'm kind of bored. I think I'll have surgery today. Uh, it is all essential service tr- sur- surgery. It's scheduled. So essentially in the system, they're practicing triage. They've got... Uh, yes, operating rooms closed for one reason or another, in, including staff shortages and including the fact that the hospital's overwhelmed with COVID-19 cases in ICU. Uh, and you've got uh, patients being flown around the province, which is no, not, not the preferred option. Uh, there's almost 100 patients uh, in the airlift program. So and you've heard uh, stories around the province. The in- interior health is particularly bad in terms of the percentage of the workforce unvaccinated. It's largest in interior health, so it's 5%. Other parts of the province, it's 2 So this is really stressing the system, but the government has is adamant on this, that uh, they are not going to put the system at risk by allowing people who are not vaccinated to look after patients, to come into hospitals, to come into health care facilities, and to come into long-term care. It's taken a while to get to that point in long-term care, and a lot of people have died while they're getting there. But we are now, what they said, 93% of long-term care facilities yesterday are now um, the, the staff and the, uh, and the uh, residents now have their boosters, and so long-term care, they're getting on top of it. But, you know, Joe, we also got the numbers after yesterday's briefing, and it looks to me that more than 200 people died in B.C. of COVID-19 during the month of October. I think that is the third or fourth worst month in the history of the pandemic. So we're not on top of the situation yet by any means. All right, Vaughn, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye, Joe.